Welcome to the Holly Springs Deep Dive Podcast. Here we are in the month leading up to Election Day 2021 in Holly Springs. In this episode, you'll hear from town council member and our only candidate running for re-election, Dan Barry. Let's dive in. I'm here today with Holly Springs Town Councilman Dan Barry. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, Karen. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. You are the only um, candidate who is already serving. You're the only incumbent candidate for Holly Springs Town Council. Um, that must feel weird. It is, it is a little weird in a way. You know, if you ask me, is that going to be the situation? I probably wouldn't have thought so. Um, yeah. But, you know, early on, you get some you get inklings about what, what you're going to do, what your peers are going to do, what different folks are going to do. And, um, you know, that's the way it worked out this year. But um, you know, I, I only got on one term ago, right? So I started in 2017, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like I've had a good four years. So for me, it's it's I got more in me. I feel like I've got more to do, and uh, can add a lot more value to the town. So I'm, I'm excited to give it another go here, and, and I'm hopeful for another term. Yeah. So what is it like running as an incumbent versus when you were just like green, new kid on the block, kind of not the boy <laughs> band type. <laughs> Yeah, when you were when you were new on the scene, how is this different? It is different because now I find myself like having been in the role. I have a lot of examples. I have a track record. I have a voting record. You know, there's certain things that I've done that I can stand on and say, "Well, I've supported this, or I've done that, or I've made a difference on this issue, or I've involved myself personally in something that helped get a better result for the town." And um, before, you know, as as somebody, you know, at the time I had some experience because I was on the planning board, so I was very familiar with development. Uh, development processes, the UDO, all the different kinds of projects that were in the pipeline. I was paying close attention to that anyway. So I had a lot of knowledge just being involved with the town organization, uh, which I think helped me be more prepared in 2017. I feel like without that, um, it's a lot to learn, right? And then if you if you end up getting elected without some of that experience, it's a lot to learn getting in there. And even, even with some experience, I had a lot to learn. When I got elected the first time, I'm like, I'm going to come in here and make government go a lot faster and we're going to get stuff done. And government didn't move any faster. We got stuff done. We got a lot of stuff done. There's a lot of stuff that I ran on in 2017 that we got accomplished in in short order within the first 18 months. And uh, we made a lot of great changes. But government, you know, it moves the way it moves. And that's okay. I've learned to grow accustomed to that. I've learned to uh, prepare for the process and uh, take, take the process for what it is follow it and become really a steward of it. You know, I'm a very principled person. So uh, I, I follow the procedures that, that we operate by very closely. And I, and I you know, want to adhere to everything that we need to do um, to get business done and, and pass public policy. So that was a little bit of a learning curve. Um, but now I have, I have all that experience, right? I've, I've been doing this for four years and um, I, I have my voting record that I'm very proud of to, to stand on and, uh, and look forward to, to continuing that. Mm-hmm. You have worked really hard at keeping people informed with um, something that you put out on Facebook. Do you do it after every town council meeting or once a month? Or yeah, so when I it's called the Barry Brief, and I posted on my uh, Tim. It's a funny story. Tim Congleton at one point made a joke. The last time the chamber held an in person. Um, an in-person banquet and Tim was the MC and uh, Tim made like an underwear joke about the very brief about me. And it was, it was so funny. Like he was, he didn't, he didn't know how it was going to land, but it landed really well. And as soon as he started talking about it, um, it it was, it was funny, but yeah, I call it the very brief. I'm big on alliteration. A lot of Mm -hmm. the stuff that I do, I've got alliteration in there and that's one of the things, but you know, 
I, I digress. Yeah, I, I started that because one of the things that I wanted to do as an elected official was tell people how I see things. You know, what what do I see from my seat? How do I approach a decision? How, what's the amount of work that goes into making a decision? How do I end up making a decision? And why did I vote the way that I did? And um, you know, I'm I'm very transparent about my service and the way I vote, the way I approach things. I'm very direct. You you may have an opinion. You may want to tell me something about an issue. I may disagree with that. I'll give you another side and I'll say, well, this is what I think and why. And then I might learn something that I didn't know by having those conversations uh, with residents or business owners or stakeholders. Um, and that may help change my opinion on on a matter. But I like to transcribe all that and put it out there for people to read to think like there is a process. Like I follow a process. I'm, I'm pretty calculated the way I look at things. I do a lot of homework and a lot of research. And, um, you know, I'm an open book. You know, I'll tell anybody what I think. And we may or may not agree on that. You like me or you don't like me. It's not going to bother me at the end of the day. I vote the way I vote. And, um, you know, I, I don't always vote in things that my friends that live in town want me to vote for. And, um, you know, we, we have those discussions and that's fine. Like I can, I can live with that, but I, I think it, it's a good, a good thing to keep the people informed. The people put me here and they put me here for a reason and I feel accountable to them. I, I, I want to do a good job. I want them to know that I'm doing a good job and show the effort that I'm putting in. And so I, I put it all out there. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid to put it all out there and let people know why I did what I did. And, um, I've had mixed, yeah, I've had very good feedback to the very brief, you know, honestly, over the last four years, I've had a lot of good feedback, people telling me that it's a great thing to do. They learn a lot from it. And I try to give a side of stuff that you don't see as, as a regular resident. You know, I've done ride-alongs with the police, done ride-alongs in the fire department. When I first got elected, um, we had a snowstorm in January 2018. And before the snow came in, I told the public works director, you put plows on those trucks, let me know. I'm coming down and going for a ride. <laughs> and he was the public works director at that point for 28 years. Snow came. I uh, I had, I think, like a one-month-old. So I left my wife and my one-month-old. Um, it sounds bad, but she was okay. You know, it was only five inches of snow, and we were from the Northeast. So, like, we're, we're okay with the snow. And um, I went down to public works. I hopped in a snowplow and rode around for three hours taking pictures and videos of what these guys deal with, with cars that get beached on the side of the road, tight neighborhoods, and you don't move cars off the street, just to show people, like, this is what our, our public servants deal with uh, that are out there trying to help. And, um, you know, that the public works director at the time said, you know, I've, I've been doing this 20 years and no, no council person has ever come in here and sat in a snowplow. You know, it was just funny, but I feel like that helps me make better policy. When I see what our employees are dealing with every day, it helps me understand from their shoes what's going on and it, it helps me build better policy. So what I'm taking away from this is that you ran for town council so you could ride around in fun vehicles. Is that, <laughs> is that how this happened? Yeah. I mean, if you want the real story, um, I, so we, we moved here nine years ago, right? Yeah. Nine years ago. And, uh, growing up, I was a volunteer firefighter for 10 years in, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, it was a big part of my life for a long time. And, uh, we, for various reasons, we decided, you know, we're going to leave and, uh, we're going to go down to North Carolina. My wife wanted to move farther South. And I said, North Carolina is as far South as we're going to go. I'm a NASCAR fan. I was at the time working as a track firefighter for NASCAR. I worked at Charlotte. I worked at uh, Dover and Pocono, a couple of different racetracks on the NASCAR circuit doing fire stuff. And I said, you know what? North Carolina is it. Applied to a couple of jobs. Uh, the one came through, the stars aligned. And uh, I'm still at the same company today, have, have grown in responsibility, but still at the same company. 
all the stars aligned and we came down here. We, we started off in Raleigh in an apartment and then we looked to figure out where we wanted to live. And we kept driving around every time we came to Holly Springs at the time in 2012, there's nothing out here. I mean, Target wasn't even built yet. And uh, we were driving in parts of town that was just two lane rural roads. And uh, finally, we, we were like, you know what? I guess this is, this is where we want to be. This is a nice place. This place has potential. We end up building a house and we built a house a mile and a half away from one of the Holly Springs fire stations. And I'm like, well, this is clutch. I'm going to be a mile and a half away from the firehouse. I'll join in there. And, um, you know, we, uh, we, we start building and then we were about a month and a half into the build. And I stopped, finally stopped by the firehouse. I brought my binder full of certificates from Pennsylvania and my national ones. I walked in there and said, Hey, I'm here to join, you know, when it gets started. And they looked at me and they're like, Oh, we don't have volunteers. You know, they're volunteers are a liability. I'm like, what, you know, like everywhere else people are, are they're dying for volunteer mm-hmm. firemen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't the case in Holly Springs and that's okay. And I'm like, okay, well I got to find other ways to get involved. And uh, public service has always been something I've been, you know, found ways to give back in various, various different capacities. That was a big part of my life. And uh, after, after that, we moved in and uh, my neighborhood was getting turned over from the developer to, uh, to, the, to the neighborhood after the developer was on his way out. So we needed to start an HOA. And I was on the fire company as a, an executive board vice president for a couple of years. So I had experience with nonprofits. So I knew how to start a nonprofit, got into the HOA, became the president, did that for five years, which got me intimately familiar with the town and development projects, what's happening, led to the planning board. And then I, I looked at it and said, you know what, if I'm gonna make a difference, I got to run for, for town council and made that decision in 2017 with my wife and uh, we went for it. We're successful. Um, but in the end, yeah, I still like riding on fire trucks. I still like riding in snow plows and, and in fun cars with lots of lights and, and make yeah. noises at the end of the day. I mean, that's, that's what I'm, I'm all about, but I'd like to think I add a little bit of a little bit more value to the council than riding in, uh, in yes. trucks, but I like, I enjoy the perks, I guess. If that's a perk, then, you know, it doesn't so pay, but, it. but that's a nice perk for me. Yeah. So you talked about, um, just a minute ago, you talked about how you, um, you know, talk to people in town, you get other people's opinions, um, you know, if they see you out and about, or if they're responding to information you've posted in your Barry brief. Um, Has there been a time that you have changed your mind about something after you've talked to um, one of your constituents? Yes. Um, so I'm, once I make up my mind, it's very hard to get me to change the other way. And a lot of times we've had some issues that have been very either contentious or conflicted. And you can go back and watch the recordings because I look like a hot mess when I'm up there and have to make a decision sometimes on stuff that's really difficult because sometimes there's difficult decisions and I know they're going to impact people's lives. And, um, you know, I have to get grounded in the facts and grounded in, in the people that I've heard from and why I make the decision that I do. Um, so I, I have gotten input from residents that have swayed me to say, you know what, I really need to support these people and I need to do what's right. Because as a resident, when I was leading the HOA, I wanted to be heard. I wanted to be listened to. And I can't tell you how many times I had council people come out to my neighborhood at the time and walk around my neighborhood and show them where the issues would be. What does future road extension mean? Is there going to be a road here so I could educate my neighbors? And then ultimately, when decisions came up, they never, they didn't go the way that I thought they should have went. And my thought was, you know what, the people of this town need to be represented. And I've always taken it upon myself to make sure I listen to people. And even if I walk in there thinking one thing, um, I come out much more educated and, and help, you know, make that policy. Um, so that's happened on, on, you know, smaller development projects. 
The, the biggest one, though, uh, which is a very public one, because I did something I don't normally do, but I came out ahead of a project or ahead of an item the council was going to hear, and I put my opinion out there before it came to the council for a decision. And that was the Village Gate project at Ralph Stevens Road in South Main Street that involved a lot of um, higher density, mixed use, mixed use project with higher density residential in there, uh, retail, medical office buildings, a daycare, senior living component that has 150 apartments for, for senior living. And um, I, I was very public about my dissent or dissatisfaction with the project. It was a rezoning I was never going to support. And, um, you know, then the realtor for the landowners and their development team, I guess, had caught on to that before. And that post got, I mean, it got a lot of, it got a lot of traction. I got a lot of calls, got some input from people like, yeah, this is great. You know, we don't want this. Thanks for being there. And, um, I can't tell you after that, you know, I had, I had some rough meetings with their development team because I had taken a stance before I really was completely educated. But again, you know, once I knew what, we, what it was, I can look at a development plan, understand the impact and think, you know what, this is nothing I can get behind. And uh, I sat down at the table with their team and uh, they're like, well, what can we do to change your mind? And I, I pretty much laid out a, a list of things that I thought they would never do. One of those things was build a greenway from the corner of, of Main Street and Ralph Stevens Road uh, up to the Garrison neighborhood to connect to an existing stub for a greenway, uh, because that would uh, that would unlock connectivity for over a thousand homes between Garrison, Wildwood, uh, the new Honeycutt neighborhood, uh, even Autumn Park that can cut through and get to that greenway. Those folks are you know live a mile away from Chick Fil A, but you can't walk there because it's all you know a two lane rural road. And um, it's not an easy path to build. And I said that. And uh, at that intersection, we had a there was a new intersection with the Main Street extension. They put up those telephone poles that are wooden, and they don't look great, but it's a way to get traffic lights up a lot sooner when you throw up the wooden poles instead of right. the metal mast arms that aesthetically mm -hmm. look better. And uh, I'm like, you know what? We really need to change those light poles out to something that looks better for the people that drive through there every day and make them match everywhere else in town instead of having telephone poles. And they took notes, wrote everything down. And uh, at the time, we were talking about a workforce housing concept as well. And uh, we were like, how can we make this workforce housing concept work? And, and I said, you know, at the time, I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm behind it. I'd, I'd love to have units that are available at the right area median income to support our firefighters, our teachers, daycare workers, and, and police officers. And um, the developer himself was very big on that because his company owns and operates several daycares and, and he was passionate about making sure they had an affordable place to live because it was important to him. And I said, I bet we can figure this out and, and make it work where we don't have to, as Holly Springs taxpayers, you know, do, do some sort of large public subsidy to get you to come in here and incentivize you to do the affordable housing piece of that or the workforce housing piece of it. So he wrote all that down. They went away and we had about eight meetings after that. They did and came to the table with every single one of those things. And I had publicly said, you know, six or seven months before that, there's no way I'd ever vote for it. I flipped and I, and I voted in favor of the project because they did every single thing that I asked for. And all of those things that I asked for made that project a better product for the residents of Holly Springs. People have connectivity. People, you know, as part of the agreement the town did on the housing component, um, you have to live, or I'm sorry, you have to work within our zip code to be able to qualify for one of those units. You have to be at 80% of the AMI or lower to qualify for one of those units. And there's, there's 50 units in their, in their building of like 140 that will be reserved uh, for workforce housing. And then they're going to do the mast arms, which is a you know $450,000 uplift. Uh, they're they're going to do much? all that. Mm -hmm. Just, no just for, yeah, 
just for metal mast arms. Now there is some public, um, you know, we are doing a number of things. We work within our fee structure to provide them a, a credit on, on water meters. So, you know, basically when you have an apartment building, there's 300 units, each one of those units gets their own water meter. There's a certain fee associated with that. At this project within our fee structure, we found a way that we did a master meter on the whole building and then they take on the administration of the billing themselves. So they pay for one meter instead of 300 significant fee savings to the tune of, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. And we also did a, a synthetic tax increment grant, uh, which is a way to stimulate a developer to do public safety, or I'm sorry, public um, public infrastructure improvements was the word I'm looking for. And um, as, as part of that, they achieve those things. And then we will give them uh, a portion of their fees back or a portion of the taxes, the property taxes they pay back. And we worked out that deal to make it economically viable. And, uh, you know, they did everything that I had asked for in those meetings, the town had to come in and uh, ultimately the full council voted on that agreement and supported it. But I was a big part of getting that deal done. And uh, I'm, I'm still very close to that development team. We still laugh about it to this day. You know, I've become close with the person that leads that group and uh, we still laugh about it. You know, we didn't have a good start, but you've really, you've come around and done a lot of good things. And it's, uh, it's interesting how relationships like that have blossomed, yeah. but that's probably my biggest example of one where I've publicly taken a stance and have flipped. And it's, mm -hmm. it's probably the only one that um you know that i would i would speak to because it's it's an interesting story well i mean it's important in this job um to be able to synthesize information and opinions and all of that kind of thing and be open-minded um you know it's important to be confident obviously too mm -hmm. but you've got to you know take feedback from other people and maybe listen to people who are more affected by something than you might be where you live or you know, whatever group you're in. Um, so I think that's a good thing. And I bet that all of the changes that the developer made, made their project a better project for them too. Absolutely. So it was a <clears throat> yeah, win, win for everybody. Yeah. Yep. So, um, well, that's a pretty good thing. Um, my next question was going to be, tell me something that you're really proud of that you've done. So obviously that, so that's good. Yeah. That was but huge. what else have you done that you um, really... I mean, I don't want to say legacy because this is just your second term that you're running for. But if you if you don't win, what are you going to be most like happy that you did get accomplished? Yeah, um, yeah. I think some of the things we did right off the bat. I spoke earlier about the you know what we we did a lot of good work in 18 months, and uh, at the time the other folks that got elected the same time I did, we had a lot of commonality between us for as many differences as there are um, on an elected body. I mean, there was a lot of commonality in some of the issues we were facing in 2017. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have been behind uh, putting a tree ordinance in place in Holly Springs. It was something that we watched development come in here and bulldoze the beauty of the land, knock down a bunch of trees, clear cut, masquerade, and houses just fly up. And uh, we were able to put a tree ordinance in place that requires development teams to save a certain amount of trees, depending on what kind of project they're doing. And there, I mean, there's a lot of legality around that, believe it or not. I mean, it's a great thing as, as a resident to say, hey, we need to save more trees or, you know, everybody cuts down trees. But there's a lot of... Um, overarching law from the state of North Carolina that dictates what we can and can't do to to developers and there's a you know lobbies are very heavy at the state level and that dictates sometimes the policy and the in the laws that get get uh, created and then passed down on municipalities and we have to fit within that so our ordinance was crafted to do all we could to preserve as much of the natural beauty of our land as we as we could I'm very proud about that and I think we're getting better quality development projects because of that um, 
the second thing when I ran in 2017, our, uh, our, our development plans and, um, you know, outlook vision for the town were like 11 years old. Our comprehensive plan hadn't been updated in, in 11 years. And we're making decisions off of this document. The town had, had grown rapidly in that time. Uh, the same with our transportation plan. Infrastructure was lagging behind the development that was coming and wasn't, wasn't adequate to support the growth that we were experiencing. I was a big proponent of putting in place a rolling schedule every five years. One of those major growth plans is, is going to get updated. So our comprehensive growth plan was updated in 2019, and uh, we, we adopted that. The transportation plan is being updated as we speak. That's a $400,000 plan update uh, for, for that plan. And then to tailor our development regulations and ordinances to that new growth plan, uh, which was more based on character than it was density, uh, we're rewriting our UDO, which is the meat behind every development decision that we make. How do we, you know, how much, how many feet does the house have to be off the street? How close can it be to your neighbor? And how much stream do you have to protect? How much, um, how much glazing can you have on a building or how high do they have to be? How much difference do you have to have in the massing, the base, the body and the cap? All of that stuff is getting updated right now as we speak as well. So every five years, one of these things is going to be updated because of the schedule that we put in place. And Parks and Rec, we just did a Parks and Rec master plan too that updated our Greenways plan and uh, created a new vision that said, you know what, based on this growth plan, if we ever build out to this potential, we're going to need parks in all these different parts of town to make it make it equitable. One of the things the town has a goal of doing is having a park within a 10-minute walk of every one of our neighborhoods, every one of our residents. So this plan outlines this is where all the parks could potentially be in the future as the town expands. Now we have that. So if a development team comes in, oh, look, there's a greenway connection here. Yeah, if you want this approved, you're probably going to need to build that or help us make that connection. And it's all documented. It's clear as day for the developers and it sets a vision for the town. Uh, so I'm, I'm incredibly proud of, you know, those couple things. I could go on. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that yeah. I'm, I'm well, really proud like, of. It sounds like uh, the council has been really busy over the last four years. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly the, you know, certainly the first two years, there was a lot of, there was a lot of what I call low hanging fruit, um, some inefficiencies that we found and, and things like that, that we were able to that correct and uh, re redirect budget to, to, to make it better ultimately for, for the taxpayers that were funding some of the services. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things were done. Certainly those first, those first two years and even the last four years, there's been a lot of, a lot of decent policy for the town. I feel like we're in a really good place. Well, that's, that's good. And you should be really proud of yourself for sure. So on a less serious note, I did want to ask what your other possibilities were when you were naming the Berry Brief, because I don't know if I got stuck at age 12 in my maturing, but I giggle every time I see it because I think about Tim Congleton because I was there. That joke, yeah. Yes. And it just stuck in me. And I swear every time it's like, is he talking about underwear? No, he's not. Of course he's not. What were your other choices? Oh. What were your other alliterative choices? Dan's diary. Uh, there was another, there was another Barry one, the Barry book or something. Uh, yeah. But the brief was, I mean, it was like, as soon as, as soon as we came up with that, we were just like, you know, my, my, my team was like, this is it. You know, this is, this All is right. the one we, this is the I one was... and it's stuck. I mean, it's stuck. I, I you know, know, it's unique. If you, if you go around, I mean, people, people, it's crazy to me, but people know what the Barry brief is, you know, and every time I, I meet somebody, I was... oh, that brief. Yeah, that's me. I was going to but... lobby you to change it, but I really feel like <laughs> if you did that, you would, um, 
that you'd catch a bunch of flack for that. And I wouldn't, you, I, would I can't not change want it that. now. It's, it's part of the brand. I, I can't change it now. And, and yeah, you get a laugh. Like I, you know, when you, when you go read and I'm verbose, like I, I, I actually, yes, um, <laughs> I, I, I write, you know, I, I can write a lot and, um, I was never good at, at, read it's funny i'm in finance professionally i was never good at math though and reading like i can read but it was never something i was fun at i can do money all day i just don't like i don't like math you know the calculus yeah. stuff but money and, and accounting i can do that all day um but with writing i had always been pretty decent with writing and um it's a humble brag i guess but like i, I went to grad school and i had to take an exam and uh on on the gmats i got uh i was in the 96th percentile in the country for the writing sample that i had to do and ever since then i've just been incredibly confident in the way that i write and i feel like it's a it's a way that i'm really comfortable communicating and i can pack a lot of information into it um but but yeah some of them can be long i try to warn people like you're if you're like scrolling through facebook or twitter like dude i don't want to read 18 paragraphs of tax rate analysis and you know water analysis and why you said no to this project <laughs> but do you I, put one of those t tldr tldr yeah, yeah I, I need too long didn't read, didn't read or, yeah. don't read or something like that i've just learned that acronym and uh yeah i haven't done that yet I, I would normally caveat like sorry it's so long this is a long one um but no i should i should do an executive summary and then go into my analysis but yeah yeah yeah, I think the TLDR is like the the new lingo for Cliff's Notes. Right. Yeah. Like absolutely. so, you know, I would say the Cliff's Notes of this is blank. So now the the young folks say the TLDR thing. Yeah. So um we've already gone through the nightmare scenario if you do not win. If you do, what is the unfinished business that you still have in mind that you want to um take take on? Yeah. So in, in 2018, our voters approved by a 60 to 40 margin of transportation bond for $40 million to invest in road infrastructure with our own tax dollars. And there was a requisite tax increase of five cents per hundred dollars of valuation that was attached to that. And we're just this spring. So that was passed in 2018, three years later. Uh, well, actually, I guess two and a half years later, because it was November 2018, we just issued the first tranche of debt for that, uh, those projects, but we had been planning and working on them since the bond was passed because there's a lot of work that has to be done with the state, with the feds. You have to get approval to cross over stream crossings. The Corps of Engineers is involved and there's a lot of design work and uh, the, the town basically fronted all of this cost. So we loaned ourselves money out of our capital reserve funds to go and spend millions of dollars on design or right-of-way acquisition to get started. And we didn't issue any debt for three years while we let the, the coffers build up with that extra tax increase. So now we have a, a solid base to sit on. Now we can pay that debt payment with principal and interest that we now have to take on, we now have have a comfortable sitting that we can go and make those payments. That's why we waited between when we issued the debt and then once we issued it, we paid ourselves back for those loans. We made ourselves, we paid the taxpayers back for those loans. It's a very innovative way to finance it. And I was, you know, involved in that quite a bit because of my finance background and I'm sort of a de facto finance rep from the council. Um, but those transportation bonds, you know, we definitely need to see that through. And I've been I've been very uh, vocal about this with my peers and with our town staff over the last probably two years, the two retreats, like we, we need to prioritize how we're going to spend the next 20. You know, our, our voters aren't just going to want to sit around and, and let that authorization hang out there. And by law, we only have seven years to issue that debt, or you have to go back to a referendum and get voter approval to issue more. So that clock has been ticking since 2018, and we've always planned to do the second issuance in 2023. There's still some needs uh, that we have to address. And frankly, there's stuff that came up now that we didn't even 
think of three years ago. So we need to do a total prioritization exercise across town. What are the most equitable and inclusive road improvements we could make so that people in different parts of town are benefiting from these? not concentrate them in one place? And where are we going to get the best return on our investment, whether that's in the form of less congestion, uh, better traffic flow? Some some can just be window dressing where you put in curb and gutter and sidewalks, you know, smaller type projects like that. But where are we going to get the best return? And we really need to double down and, and start doing that work. Um, so I'm, I'm anxious to get back to work on that. It's teed up for our next retreat in February. That's going to be a big topic that we'll be talking about those road projects. Um, Outside of this, and I made this comment at the you know the candidates forum the other week, um, but it wasn't until I became a father that and had to change a diaper at a local park that I realized some of our men's rooms don't have changing tables in there and like changing diapers in the backs of cars. I mean, for all the parents out there, like you know you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Everybody's done it. You know, you've done yeah. it in a parking lot. You've done it wherever. And uh, I was just like, wow, like this is an easy thing. I mean, you could find changing tables for like a hundred bucks, screw them on the wall. Some facilities have them, some don't. I've been keeping an inventory of where they are and where they aren't. Such an easy fix. I feel like we could be much more uh, inclusive that way. And um, having you know changing tables in all of our restrooms, in the men's rooms, the women's rooms, the family restrooms, making sure we have that you know that sort of amenity to make that park experience a little bit better. Uh, I also think we could have more more accessible and uh, equitable programming. Uh, we had we we had a couple issues um, a couple years ago. There was some feedback that we got at like Ting Park. There's a playground, and it was always locked. You could never get in there because the town had protected those turf fields, and a lot of people were like, you know, we're paying the debt service on this thing. Why can't we use it? So for me, yeah. accessibility is being able to use the things that we have, use the amenities that we have. So we pushed a lot the last couple of years in our town staff, and they've done a great job in parks to come up with some improvements to how we uh, pro- provide free play times at our, our fields and also allow access to some of those uh, facilities. You know, we do have to mitigate risk. We do have to protect those investments, but at the same time, you know, our residents deserve to use them. Uh, what else do I have? I think from a you know a development standpoint, four years ago that was one of the big uh, the big hot ticket items was development and how we could make it more responsible. And I talked about some of the things we did to, to do that and steer it in the right direction. And I feel like we've raised the bar on development projects. We're getting stuff that comes in, and uh, the development community is aware. If you're going to build in Holly Springs, you know what it's going to take. There's going to be a lot of stuff you're going to be asked to do that isn't isn't necessarily you know just plain straight, you know, yeah. letter of the law. We're not, a, we're, we're not no. a bunch of pushovers. Yeah. No, we're, we're going to ask you for that sidewalk connection. We're going to ask you for that greenway. We're going to ask you for the turn lane. We're going to ask you for sidewalks on both sides of the road. Uh, we're we're going to ask for things like that to make a better product, not only for the folks that are going to come in and live in those homes, but the folks that will, um, that live around there already, our existing residents. And that was one of the big reasons I got into this business was to help support people that are already here. And I feel like we've done a lot of that. I want to continue that. I think we're on a, we're on a great track. And um, I can't tell you how many meetings, you know, I had this conversation with one of my peers at one point on the council, because I, I refer to things sometimes as deals. You know, oh, we made a great deal. We got a good deal on that. And one of my peers is like, you know, we're not in the business of making deals. We're in the business of making policy. And I'm like, yeah, we are. But once you have a good policy or a good zoning ordinance, if you can get that extra thing in a deal to say, you know what? Yeah, I can get you that that zoning ordinance. I can get you the ability to build that project, but you're going to have to meet me halfway. You're going to have to build this or do that. I call that a deal. I feel like it's a good thing. We're getting we're getting that benefit. Um, so it's a little bit of both for me. I, I, I'm, I'm deeply rooted in, in sound public policy making, but at the same time, if I can work out a deal with a development team to get a better outcome, 
I'm going to do it. I'm not afraid to ask questions and uh, and raise those things to development teams. And I've, I've got a nickname that's come up in the development community a couple of times from uh, folks that I've interacted with. And they call me Mr. Sidewalk because, you know, UNC Rex Hospital, for example, um, the sidewalk that they're now building between where the hospital entrance is and Maple Street wouldn't have happened if I didn't ask for a condition of their development plan to put that 30 foot stretch of sidewalk or whatever it is in there, because that allows people to come out. You can walk up, you can get to the crosswalk there, walk across the street and get sidewalk. You can walk all the way up to Ting Park with that connection. Without that, you would have got there and you'd be walking through weeds or jumping across the road to try and get to the hospital. Just didn't make any sense. And at the time at the meeting, that sounds Rex. like such a that sounds like such a little thing, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's just not. The, uh, yeah. It's not it's at huge. all. I mean, I have, I ha- I have walked from, you know, a place in downtown Holly Springs, trying to walk up to Pimento Tea Room. This is the sec the second episode in a row that I've talked about their Brunswick stew, but here we are. <laughs> um, I wanted to walk up there to get a takeout order from my office in downtown Holly Springs. And I had to walk through, um, you know, I either I had to cross the street and just do all kinds of crazy stuff just to get from my office to, to that old house. And it just, it's such a small thing, but it's not a small thing. So it's not when you build a $135 million building, that little piece of sidewalk, you know, that was the comment I made at the meeting was this is a glaring omission. Like, I don't know how you walk in here without that plan. And luckily we were able to get it done and uh, they're building it now. The the flags are up. You drive past there. They're building that connection now. So if if I do ever have a legacy, that, that one piece of sidewalk, just always remember me for that one piece of sidewalk. And also the sidewalk that goes down Ralph Stevens road where Lowe's and Wegmans is going to be. Uh, there's a sidewalk that'll run down the other side that I negotiated or helped negotiate for the town with a, um, you know, for a sidewalk that goes all the way down that road on a piece of property that otherwise wouldn't have had to have one because of prior agreements that the town had with that developer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wasn't taking no for an answer. We got a sidewalk put in there and that greenway path I talked about earlier with Village Gate. So mm-hmm. did you at time- least get to put your handprints or like your initials <laughs> in it or something? Not Stake yet, your no. claim? I don't. I don't think the uh, I don't think the one party would have had me do that on the one on Ralph Stevens, but uh, the the Greenway piece from from Main from South Main to the neighborhood, uh, the Garrison neighborhood hasn't gone up yet, but you know maybe I that'll mean, be one benefit of changing my vote. Maybe they'll let me put my hands in the asphalt or something. I don't yeah, know. maybe you could be the first um, person on the Holly Springs Walk of Fame. <laughs> Go get like a big star or like a holly shaped metal thing and smush it in there and. Yeah. yeah. Be a trailblazer. Yeah. I mean, that'd be funny. It'd be great. Yeah. But I, I, I'd yeah. be more happy to see people walking on it more yeah. than anything else. You know, yeah. people walking to Chick-fil-A, people, you know, had a beverage up at Hickory Tavern, walking back home to their neighborhood safely yeah. and not have to get in a car. Um, yeah, that's the stuff that and, – and once the project is built, people walking from Wegmans or Lowe's or Wildwood uh, across there. And, and it also the, you know, Optimus Farm Road, uh, the town used public works to put in like a little island there to make that – you know, down the side of Sunset Lake mm-hmm. Road to those where the new Dunkin' Donuts is and Town Hall Burger and mm-hmm. uh, I, I Toro, that whole, you know, little new development. Uh, yeah. Without that little connection the town put in, people wouldn't be able to walk down there either. So what, may, yeah. what brings me joy is, is uh, you know, not my handprints in there, but seeing people walking, you know, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's why um, I've said this a million times. A lot of people believe this. These local um, elected offices have so much more of an effect on people's daily lives than the big 
races that people pay so much attention to yep. and get all of the coverage on yep. the news. This is the stuff, the, the fact that you can walk from point A to point B and not get a bunch of fire ant bites on your feet or, you know, have to walk through the mud if it's rainy that day. That's right. Just those little things um, make such a big difference. Yeah. So um, I appreciate you being a nitpicker and like trying to always um, – advocate for what regular people just need and i'm i'm appreciative that you see the the beauty in small things like a sidewalk yeah absolutely i mean these elections and i I tell people this all the time these elections impact people's daily lives more than any others you know you sure do it's it's everything from those improvements to to your local tax bill to your trash getting picked up right i mean i can't tell you Mm -hmm. it's still a small town and uh, the mayor Sears would say that all the time, you know, like, oh, people call me about their trash. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Nobody's calling you to pick up. It happens. Like, I can't. <laughs> it, it happens. It's it, 40,000 people. People are still calling elected officials about their trash. And that's fine. If I can help, you know, get that rectified, I put a call into public works that here's the address. They take care of it. Um, yeah, that's that's the stuff people people remember. You know, those little things where if I if I did my part to help out, uh, I feel like I'm doing a good job. So what I'm hearing is that your next ride along is going to be on a garbage truck. Yeah, I, I would definitely do it. My kids are obsessed. So with the new traffic schedule, the town has implemented. So this is yep. actually, yeah, this is cool, right? I mean, whoever thought we'd reduce refuse rates, but we had, uh, we invested in a solid waste manager position to come into the town and that person worked with our contractor. So we contract our, our, our hauling off to GFL and he worked with them to figure out how they could more economically drive around town, save gas and do different things with rerouting and changing the days of when people's trash got picked up. And we actually reduced our trash rates this year, uh, because wow. of that, because of that savings. And my kids would always like to go outside and watch the, the truck, pick it up with the arm and dump it into the trash truck. And then with the new schedule, they come at like, it's early. It's like six thirty, six forty five. Like I'm just getting out of the shower or getting out of bed and I hear the thing. And now my kids are like, why can't we see the trash truck? I'm like, it's gone by the time we, we get there. So they would love it if I could go get some pictures yeah. and a video of it. Um, you, have got I, I to take them, you have got to take them on the landfill tour. They have that to be eight. is, oh man, that my kids is, are so young. That is, I know, such a weirdly fascinating <laughs> thing to do. Yep. I loved it. It just, I went a couple of years ago um, for the podcast, and I was like, oh, all right, whatever. But it was really fascinating. Yeah, it, it is, and they would love it. They'd love the trucks. They'd love the equipment working out there. It's a fascinating thing to learn, you know, just see how yeah. that operation works. You learn a lot. But yeah, the youngest, uh, the youngest age is eight. Because I've looked at it, I'd be like, oh, I need to go do that again, or. Um, but uh-huh. I can't take my, you know, I'm home with the kids. I can't do that today. My my kids are all under four. I have three kids under yeah. four. So soon enough, soon enough, yeah. I'll get them out there. But yeah, it's a solid, it's a solid tour. Yeah, it really is. So I know that um, the town council positions and the mayoral position too, for that matter, are all supposedly, and I mean, I guess they are nonpartisan, but it seems like all of the candidates are firmly one party or the other. Mm-hmm. In the candidates forum, you made a reference to you being the only candidate who, what was it that you said that you were the only candidate who registered? It was the only candidate that filed nonpartisan that on filed my campaign nonpartisan. paperwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, so why voting, is that important? Yeah. So I'll tell you why it's important to me. And we base, you know, we base our campaign efforts off of that. Um, 
you know, when I started four years ago, the non nonpartisanship is, is a very important thing to me at the local level. We talked about the importance of local elections and why they matter uh, to, to everyday residents. And I, I think the, the biggest thing for me is being nonpartisan, you represent everybody. I represent everybody in the town. We don't have districts. I represent every single person that's in this town. And I don't want to, you know, have, have this stigma or appearance that maybe I don't because of one thing or, or where I'm registered or, or what I'm, what I believe in. Sure. I have my own opinions and my own beliefs, but we talked about my ability to go out and get stakeholder feedback for how I approach decisions. And I've always based that, you know, these local offices, um, the importance of nonpartisanship, because when you focus on that, everybody can agree on a certain set of principles for the town that you live in. You want to live in a safe town. You want your trash picked up on time. You want to be able to drive around your town and not have to take 20 minutes to get out of Holly Springs. You want to be able to have a safe place for your kids to go to school, a safe place for your kids to recreate. Uh, you want to have good town services. You want to have quality drinking water. These are all things that the town council is involved in setting policy for, and none of those are partisan issues. None of them. Everybody can agree on, on wanting those things in the town that they live in. That's why it's important to me, because those are the decisions that we make. And, you know, recently in the last two years, we've had very charged political issues come in front of the council that, in my opinion, just it, it takes the fun out of serving on the town council completely out of it, because then you're up there, you know, you have to pick a side or you have to make a decision that one faction of people are going to be adamantly behind you. And then another faction of people are going to be, you know, no way this guy's crazy because he thinks X, Y and Z about this issue that really doesn't have a lot of bearing on the town. And uh, unfortunately we've seen a lot of those in the last, the last two years come before the council or more so than has been enjoyable. Uh, but I still try to, you know, and, and at the end of the day, if there's an issue that comes up in front of me, politics is like sports. You have to pick a team. You have to make a decision. You have to be on one side of an issue or another. And um, you know, I, I, I still deeply stay rooted in the fact that, you know, people agree with, a decision that I might make. And there are folks that don't. And I will try to explain why I feel the way I feel or what my opinion is, but that doesn't always resonate well. I can, I can lay it all out there, but people aren't always going to value that or appreciate it. They just want to turn it into, you know, you're this or you're that or stereotype or whatever. Um, so I, I made, you know, and, and voting records are, are a public thing. I mean, you can go online and look up anybody, see what they're registered, see how many times they voted. And, um, see what people are all about. And you can absolutely do that on me. Um, but I thought it was interesting that in a race that is clearly nonpartisan, as it's, as it's advertised by the Board of Elections, the seats are nonpartisan, that every other candidate for the town council, besides myself, decided to write on their filing paperwork, their affiliation. And to me, it's just like, okay, well, right there, you're, you're not even on the council when you're picking teams, you're picking sides already. Can't we you know, come up with some mutually beneficial things we can all focus on that make the town a better place without having that right out there in the public right away. Um, and to me, it's just it's just a turnoff at the local level. I feel like when you have the ability to run for a nonpartisan seat, you you do that. And I take a lot of pride in trying to find how I can approach things in a nonpartisan manner and get down decisions, get down to decisions that work for for everybody. Um, so it's important to me, and it was important to our campaign. Uh, to, to highlight that because I think it does it does make an impact on how uh, you're going to be served by the people that you elect. These elections have consequences, and when you when you file one way or another, you make that clear delineation right out of the gate. I think there's an impact or a consequence that could come from that.
So you don't think that you undid that, you know, the good that you feel like you did um, when you kind of aligned yourself with Aaron Paré and Sean Mayevsky and Tim Forrest and Christy Bennett? I mean, it was it's kind of like a Republican slate right there. I mean, the Democrats have done the same thing, obviously, um, because I've seen stuff about uh, Christine Kelly and, you know, Jamar Cobb and Carrie Randa, too. So it's it's yeah. not just it's not just one side or the other, it's both. So do you, I mean, you sound like you have some really good sound reasons for, you know, projecting yourself as, you know, an unaffiliated, you know, nonpartisan person, but then you align yourself like that and um, allow yourself to kind of be almost as a, as a candidate slate, you know, vote for all these people. I mean, do you not, do you, regret so that I mean, or were there reasons behind that or what well it's 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 more than meets the eye i would say the way that it all happens because any any political body any elected official can choose to endorse somebody so i can't choose who our state senator or who our state representative chooses to endorse and uh if they believe in my service and think that i'm a valuable asset to the town they choose to endorse me okay that that's fine you know i, I didn't solicit an endorsement um, but but if one was made on my behalf and in support of my candidacy, then that's that's 100% okay. There's other organizations that do that, and the parties are the same the same way. The political parties have made their way more and more into local elections year after year, and they're more they're more active, they're more organized, getting volunteers out. And um, you know, again, if I'm endorsed by one party or the other, and they choose to say, look, here are the people that we've endorsed, they're gonna they're gonna push that on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's certain things they that don't I can ask you. They don't ask you if you want the endorsement. I mean, I, I'm I'm asking because I don't think people know all of this stuff, and I don't think a person normally yeah. would unless they ran. So I'm just asking as a genuine. I have no idea what you're going to say to me here. So what is? I mean, they don't ask you if you want their endorsement. They will ask you to interview with them to determine if you want an endorsement, and you, as a candidate, have an opportunity to choose or not to interview with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed with a party in 2017. I interviewed with a party in 2021, and um, they chose to to endorse me. So I had those conversations, and they endorsed other people besides myself, which is which is fine. And I I feel like if you look at the municipal elections in the last three or four cycles in Holly Springs there's been endorsed candidates in every single one of those elections. Yep. And they've also, they've also all won. If you haven't been endorsed by a party, you haven't won the election in the last three cycles. So for, for me, it's, you know, I think there's a certain, there, there's a certain um, public socialization benefit to get from it, you know, with, within within whatever you're, you, you are, whatever you seek an endorsement. Um, you know, I interviewed, I was asked to interview and I chose to interview with the Police Benevolent Association um, as, as well. So another another stakeholder group, the HBA, the Home Builders Association, the Realtors, uh, they all ask you to interview as well. Um, I, I declined both of those. I didn't interview with the HBA, I didn't interview with the Realtors because I think those interests are too biased in, in the development projects. And I pride myself on being uh, objective in making development decisions. And a lot yeah. of times those endorsements come with with monetary value. Um, so sometimes the parties will, will choose to you know, provide monetary value or things of value that you have to report. And, um, you know, they've, I've been offered things and I've returned them. I'm one of the only candidates that, you know, the, the party that chose to endorse me, 
offered, you know, things or, or groups, subgroups of them have offered me campaign donations and I've sent the check back. It happened in 2017. It happened again this year. Um, I, I don't take those contributions because for me to objectively represent the people, I feel like I want my campaign to be funded by individuals with uh, within Holly Springs or, you know, sure, my family will, will help out. But I think on, on my finances so far, I only have one contribution from outside of Holly Springs and outside the state of North Carolina. So my campaign is 100%, 99% funded by the folks of Holly Springs, individuals and business owners that I've made relationships with. Um, and then the elected official part of it, yeah, you don't solicit those. I mean, some people do. I don't. If people choose to endorse me, then they choose to endorse me. Um, but I don't make phone calls asking for that. I think certain elected officials or any elected official will say this election has an impact on our town. It has an impact on our district. And maybe they want to see it go a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I um, had no idea how that whole process yeah, worked. It, but this is interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah. So you get you get asked and then you can choose, right? If you know any any party, especially if you are registered in one party or the other and you file as a candidate, they will look you up and they will call and ask you, do you want to interview with the party? Yes or no. Do you want to have a conversation that could lead, you know, and you go into it knowing it could lead to an endorsement. Maybe there's financial or other benefits associated to it. Maybe there's not. Some just, you know, some groups just will will uh will endorse you. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, but- I'm not sure that everybody knows that they can um look up uh, a, a, a candidate's financial statements. Um, they're scanned in and they're available yep. online. You can see Absolutely. who donated money to you. You can see how much money um, you personally have put into your own campaign um, and who donates to you and who donates to you know anybody. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that you can do if – if that is an issue that you're really interested in is, you know, who's getting money from whom and what organizations um, are they going to be beholden to them in the way they vote if they're elected. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's something you can definitely do. It's all out there for public consumption. And I made that promise in 2017. I wasn't taking any money from local developers, from political parties, political interests, or special interest groups. And I held to that in 2021. I gave examples of stuff I've handed back, um, you know, I, I have opponents that have taken money from parties and have gotten large sums of money to, you know, to run their campaigns. And everybody approaches campaign finance differently. I mean, you have to make those decisions. And I told myself, you know, I'm I'm about this because I want to do this job for the people of Holly Springs. I feel like I've done a good job. Uh, I've, I've, you know, been very honest in my role. I've been very transparent and direct about how I'm going to approach things. And, um, you know, I, I feel like in order to best represent people, I need to not be beholden to any sort of, of group. And uh, that's why I've declined all those things. But others, you know, I've, I've seen some of my opponents already. I've scoured through their reports and seen that there's contributions from different PACs or special interest groups and political parties on, uh, on groups. So to me, it is like, OK, yeah, I can be registered as one thing. You can go look up and figure that out. Um, but I'm making a conscious effort to say I'm not taking money from anything but individuals. I'm here to help the people and represent people and focus on the issues at hand at the town level and not tie myself to any one particular interest or any one particular party. And there are opponents of mine that have not made that conscious decision and they're taking money from special interest groups or taking money from um, you know, parties or, or groups that are affiliated with the parties. Yeah. Well, this is kind of a training ground. You know, this this role is the first um, elected office that people typically go for. So there's a big learning curve on that. I'm sure you would agree because look at look at how different you are now than you were four years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. And four, four years of service helps with the helps with the learning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and your, you know, your screeching of the brakes when you like busted into that place ready to roll. And then you're like, oh, this takes a lot longer to change all this stuff than I thought. <laughs> so do you have political aspirations beyond um, Holly Springs Town Council? No. Um, I mean, I'd be lying if you don't think about it. You don't think, wow, could this be anything? Like, it's funny enough, yeah. people at work, when people at work find out that I do this on the side, they're all like, how do you have time? Like, how do you manage that? Because I have a pretty demanding day job. I have three young kids. Like, it's a lot of time. I pour myself into my service to town. It's a 20 to 25 hour a week thing for me in meetings and research, working with town staff. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a lot of effort. Um, I, I always say in life, whether it's employment related, job related, work related, politics related, you never say never, but certainly right now in my life, you know, no, I, I, I don't, you know, there's probably only one other office I would ever consider running for that, that I would like to, to ever think about, but it's so far of a remote chance that it's probably a no, like I'm not here to polish my own resume, to go run for other offices, to go from here to the state level, to the federal level. That's not why I'm here. I'm here. And I got into this business because I care about Holly Springs. I cared about my neighbors when I was an HOA president. And I, I then grew in my appreciation of what's happening in the town. And I care to represent everybody and do what's right for the people of this town to keep this an attractive place to live. People are moving here at record, record paces. It's a great place to live. You know, I, I had all three of our kids here. We had all three of our kids here. It's it's just a great place to live. The amenities, the school system is good. And um, we're, we're really happy with Holly Springs. And I'm incredibly passionate about the town. We have so much momentum and uh, so much, so much more to do that I want to be a part of in the future. And, uh, and that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. Is there anything else you want people to know about Dan Barry? Um, you know, I am somebody that is, I have a business-like approach for me. You know, when I get into these items, I, I do a lot of research. I, I do a lot of backgrounds searching information. I do a lot of solicitation of residents, stakeholders, business owners to make the best decisions that I can. And a lot of the work that I do at the town, the public doesn't see it. Right. And I, I pride myself on that. You know, I mentioned earlier, I'm what the de facto finance representative to the town. I'm a professional, I'm, I'm a global finance controller at a large technology company. I have a background in finance. I have two degrees in finance. And um, I spend a lot of my time paging through the town's budget, looking for inefficiencies or looking for where we're spending money that maybe we could redirect to something else. I'm also talking to our town's auditors about our financials and about the issues they may find. And I help work with our finance team to dissect those, figure out what might be a really material issue and might, what just might be, oh, you know, we missed that date stamp on that one purchase order. I'm having all those meetings. Um, you know, in, in the background. And that's the stuff that nobody ever sees. And, um, you know, I would just want people to know, like, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that happens with who defines, that defines you as an individual and defines you as a leader. And as you approach this election, look at, look at the people that are running, look at the people that are offering themselves for public service and figure out, you know, how would they be out of the public eye? You know, some, some folks might like to go get their picture published all over the place. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that's running up to the front of the line to get my picture taken. You know, I will be, I will be the guy in the back of the room and probably come off shy initially, and then I'll open up a little bit. Um, but, but that's me. You know, I want to get down to business. I want to do the work. Um, but I just hope people understand how much passion and care that I have for this town, for its residents, and how bullish I am on our future. 
uh, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing this or you know dedicating the amount of time that I do to the town if I wasn't passionate about it. Everything that I get myself involved in, I give it 110 percent because for me, I get out of it what I'm putting into it, and that's full bore, you know. And, and sometimes the public doesn't always see that. Sometimes you do, um, but I would just want people to know like there's a lot there. I really care about this town, and you know, yeah, there's noise about partisanship and nonpartisanship and slate versus slate. And is it that way? I mean, at the end of the day, we, we talked about the issues that, that matter most to people that are in town. And at the sidewalks. end of the day, <laughs> right, sidewalks, there's a person behind each of these candidates. And garbage. Yeah. And garbage. The more you learn about that person, the better off you're going to be voting for people rather than picking a slate or listening to somebody else that tells you what to do. Do your research. Come talk to me. I've got three more, four more events we're having. I'm um, having one coming up here very soon. Uh, donuts event at the co-working station. We're going to have one, uh, another meet and greet, uh, two meet and greets later in the month of October, October 8th and October 16th. So keep an eye out for those dates. And then Holly Fest on October 30th. I'll have a booth there. We'll be meeting people. If you haven't met me and you, you think you know who I am, you think you know what I'm about, come talk to me, you know, like come, come meet me hear hear it from my mouth rather than what Facebook says or some Facebook page says about me or what some person says about me. Come, come ask, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm pretty honest. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think. I, I get that impression from you, Dan. I really do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Well, right. You, yeah. You're probably thinking this is going to be 30 minutes. We're approaching like an hour or something. I, don't know what hey, time it I, is, set, but... I set aside an hour for a reason. You never know. That's the beauty of this. Um, this is my podcast, so I can make it as long as you I want. You do what you want. I talk yep. like I write, I guess. But hey, when I'm talking about Holly Springs, I could sit here all night and think of different different <laughs> things to talk about. I was going to say, I bet your coworkers who ask you how you have time, I bet they haven't even um, factored in the like five or six hours a week it must take to write that very brief. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, they, they don't. I mean, a couple of them follow me on Facebook, so they'll see yeah. it. Um, yeah. But no, they don't. And it's, yeah, I, I, I was much more frequent in the beginning. And now with my kids and my schedule, like I, it's, it's just nuts, you know, with work yeah. and the town that I'm still doing a town job for the council. Yeah. Plus I'm campaigning, yeah. um, which is like, I honestly thrive in that environment. I thrive when I'm wall to wall, busy running from one thing to the next, never enough time. I, and I, and I can't do it without the support of my wife. Um, yeah. I've had such incredible support from her. I mean, our kids are so young. It's a lot of work. It is so much on her shoulders to let me to run off and chase these dreams, chase these ambitions. And she did that yeah. when I was running fire calls in the middle of the night. Um, but without her support through all this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to do it, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm very thankful. I'm very appreciative um, for, for everything she does for our family to allow me to do this. And we've had help from, from our in-laws and um, some other friends that are, are deeply connected to what we're doing that help us out greatly. And, and I couldn't do it without, without that support network. So um, yeah. it takes, it takes, well, an army. It, it takes a lot to do this stuff, yeah. you know, and that's what I told people that were interested in running the people that did reach out to me. I said, whatever time you think it's going to take, multiply it by four, because mm -hmm. that's the way I was. You know, my mm -hmm. wife still tells me to stay oh, two meetings a month, right? Two meetings a month. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit more than two meetings a month. <laughs> yeah. If you do the if you do the job right, if you do because, it right, that's because right. Because there there are people that come to the meetings and open the packet for the first time when they sit down at the dais. But if you do the job right, like I said, you get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. So like everything. Well, I think that the citizens of Holly Springs, whether they agree with you or not, um, can just say empirically that they are thankful for your service that you've already given us and for the last four years um, advocating for us, getting us sidewalks, getting garbage picked up, all of the things. Um, 
And I am appreciative that you are willing to try to do it again and that you're, you're taking so much time out of your life to try to get this job again. Um, so it takes a special kind of person to be an elected official. And I'm glad that those people exist. I'm not one of them, but I'm glad that I'm glad that we have a lot of people here in Holly Springs who want to do this job and want to try to make Holly Springs a better place. Because that's one thing in common I've noticed about all five of y'all is that you all love this town and yep. you want it to be better and you just want to go about it in different ways, but that's the commonality among all of you. So I do appreciate you and your time and your willingness to try to try to do it again. Yeah. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. I care a lot about it. So I'm ready to go. November 2nd election day. Yep. You vote can vote Dan for Barry. three people, but you can vote for three people. You don't just have to vote for one. That's right. So. That's right. Yep. 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 Three seats, right. the mayor's seat. It's a big election yep. this year. It really is. I mean, it's going to be so weird living in Holly Springs without Dick Sears as the mayor. It is crazy to think about that. Yeah, 20, 20 I mean, years is a long time of doing anything. You know, he's, really he's grown so many relationships at the state level, yeah. the federal level. I mean, he's he's respected. And again, like any elected official, you like them, you don't like them, you like their positions or you don't. But you got to respect thing that, what they did. That's right. One thing that man has done is made Holly Springs a respected town, you know, and that yeah. started off with Mayor Holloman before him and then into yeah. into him. But those two men have done a lot of work to make this town a respected place to live in a, in a respected town within the state and, and everywhere else. So yeah, and it'll be interesting. Mayor Sears is so funny. I, I interviewed him for another project that I'm doing and we were talking about legacy and we were talking about ham womble and you know, that kind of stuff. And I said, what do you want named after you? And do you know what he said? I don't. He said, I may be like a broom closet in the new <laughs> hospital. <laughs> I would say it'd be in the hospital. I mean, he would. <laughs> yeah. You know, but not the broom closet. <laughs> no, yeah, he would. He is so attached to that hospital, and I think every yeah. every ounce of his energy in his last few months has been dedicated to that hospital and making sure it gets opened. And um, you know, I hope they open it before election day, just so he can just so he can say he was in office when it opened. You know, yeah, a, his a nice victory lap. Yeah, yeah, but it's so serendipitous that it's kind of like finishing yeah. up now, right as his as his last term is. But I appreciate you sitting down with me tonight. I know that you're busy, um, and I know that you're um, you've got a lot of kids to throw in the bathtub and tuck in and all of that stuff. So I yeah, do appreciate no, I, it. I appreciate your time, Karen. Thanks for reaching out. I enjoyed it. All right. Yeah, me too. Um, good luck, and I'll talk Thanks. to you later. Links to this candidate's website and social media accounts are listed in the show notes. This episode was recorded and produced by me, Karen Shore, with music by Doug Maxwell and Meteorite Productions. Be well, friends. Until next time.